Welcome to this week's episode of Who the Fuck is Delia, the podcast that uncovers the plight of the creative who might not just yet be so successful that they are being honoured by the Queen this week. Um, I know who that is. You don't know who that is. I do. You I definitely do. don't. Okay. Go, on, go um, on, hit me with some names. The footballer. He's not a. He's not like a musician or creative. Um, that's right. a good guess. That's to the extent of my. Dizzy Rascal's got an MBE. Has he? Yeah. I think it's well deserved. How come? Uh, being good. Okay, cool. Being good. Aww. I think that's what she said. Anyway, she was like, "And this one is to my friend Dizzy for <laughs> <laughs> for being good." Yeah, right. Well, for everyone listening, sorry that we didn't make it last week, but um, you know how it is. We put that little episode out to tell you how busy we are, and you know you're all in behind the curtain. You'll appreciate that. Um, and if you don't, then what are you doing here? You know, there's loads of other podcasts. Go and listen to them. Don't do that. <laughs> Uh, but we're back and we're back with a bang this week this is gonna be there's no pressure but it's probably gonna be the best podcast we've ever done um we've had (laughs) you might recognize his voice instantly because we've had his brother on and they sound almost exactly the same do they though it is the alec to the mic and it is alec brits thank you for joining us on the podcast this week thank you so much for having me guys i've been looking forward to it since we first spoke about it a few weeks ago yeah. I've, I've been looking forward to it since before we spoke about it, which was when we first started the podcast and we were like, we should get Alec on this. This is going to be really good. And then a year later, <laughs> we are here. Um, for, those, for those who don't know you or what you do, and as everyone listening to this podcast will sort of be used to right now, the, 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 the life and times of creative people isn't just like, oh, I do this one thing. Um, so what what is it that you do? What your I could characterize you as many different things in the music industry, but what would you characterize yourself as? Uh, I would say uh, predominantly producer these days, uh, but uh, I think that how I am sold to clients uh, by their friends and by uh, management and stuff is the one-stop shop. So uh, you come in with an acoustic guitar and you leave with the full production these days. And that's uh, my main goal in life is to just try and find what an artist or creative wants to do and to try to catalyze the process in the easiest, most fun and positive way possible. And then you're also like, I assume most of the time, you're also kind of like playing all of the instruments on those tracks. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> no, yeah. absolutely, because we can't have too many people in this little box, you know. Yeah, of course, yeah. So you work out of the cabin in Liverpool. I do indeed. Um, it's in a beautiful rehearsal complex called Sort Rehearsals, where you mm. guys have frequented in your yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a yeah, really good community of people and uh, in a really nice part of the city. I have I to say, since the last time I visited the cabin, it looks a lot more full with fun things like <laughs> an organ, just to your right. That's uh, a piano, isn't it? Is it an organ? Definitely be an upright piano. Oh, uh, yeah. what? Yeah. It's been a while, Shell. It's yeah. been a while. Uh, hang on. It's on Zoom and it looks like the innards are showing, which is making it look like an organ. The innards? Yeah. The piano innards. Yeah. Piano it's intestines. Innards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very juicy intestines. <laughs> It does. Yeah, well, you we, when we first we worked together long a long time ago, yes, in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Um, and um, things have changed quite considerably for well for for everyone, I suppose, but especially for you since you've now like 
the cabin was i remember you starting that project and being like cool there here is a space and there will soon not be space there will be a building with lots of stuff in it and now that building is is i i, I reference that in my own job as to to the boss at the, um at the studio that i work i reference your place as like this is the goal this is what you want to be looking like and, and operating like and it's gone from being space to the goal like in how how short a time is that uh well, I don't know. I mean, because we worked together right back when I was still in the previous building, wasn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that all uh, began around, I want to say, 2014, 2015, somewhere there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved in here three and a half years ago, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, it was just like, I was so excited to have a little drawer with like mics in it. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I had like an inordinate amount of drums and some mics and yeah. I was like this is the best <laughs> and then, um, yeah I mean um, to get to this point has been um, uh, yeah I mean three and a half years of, of pretty much uphill um, slog and um, some calculated risks and uh, to the very kind people who have hired me throughout this entire time that's Every invoice is like split in half. Half goes to the studio, and then half goes to the studio. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know, so it's a yeah, it's a, it's a it's a very bizarre thing. But it, it takes. Um, it's currently I like to think of myself as thirty five percent of the way to where I'd like to be. Um, cool. But I feel like I've been at that point for the past forever. So. I think is the goals because, keep moving. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, is that because the goals are moving? Because that's because the 100% is not necessarily further away or or getting any further away. It's just that it, it is moving and then you're sort of increasing. So like 35, you could be at 100% from two years ago, you know? Yes. And, but that 100%, that, that it, you know, this is a bit of getting a bit convoluted now, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Don't forget the goal to move. Too, when you're moving all of your percentages. And you're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like we've, we've had a few producers on the show um, and I've been, I've delved into that world more and more and T's delved into that world more and more. And so production and the way that people produce has become a bit of a theme, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, this is not only through working with you, but also just, just to ask you as well. It was Everyone's unique, and it was definitely unique when working with you. And, and at the time, it was it was with Tim as well, who was your sort of partner in crime. So obviously, things will be different now. But um, we have some people who are like, oh, "Okay, you just got to bring the song out. It's all about finding the song." And then other people, it's like it's all about the artist and whatever the artist wants. And you know, there's lots of different. You get these producers who are just head in the computer, and you get these producers who are, you know, all about outboard gear and the authentic sound. So where would you say that you lie on it um, from a process point of view? Yeah, I mean, I like to um, avoid formulas as much as possible. And I don't know if that's like specifically over the last year, it seems like my head has um, changed a lot because I feel like at the point where we're at, um, there's still, everything is so modular. So it's like, okay, I need to produce this track and I have these pieces of equipment and this is the song that's coming. Mm -hmm. So how do I make these 17 things all click together? And it's like, um, now just 
through time and through kind of working, I, I'm, I'm thinking a lot less like a producer and like an engineer and like a session musician and as a programmer. And I'm kind of like, what is this artist now and where do they want to be? So what's changed a lot for me is the conversations leading up to, um, to the actual production. So um, if I was to work with you guys now, the first thing that we would do is I would sit down with you and say, all right, so what, what do you want in five years? Like if you could give me any kind of reference point of how you're trying to achieve what you want to achieve um, and then kind of figure out like, okay, this is the overall this is the overarching thing so how is that going to affect a verse or a chorus it's kind of a little bit harder to mm. quantify and that's kind of led me on to another thing which has gone i don't want to work on singles anymore i'm i'm, I'm done with that um right. obviously at at the moment i'll i'll take pretty much anything but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i can't possibly imagine why <laughs> A squirrel quartet, absolutely. That's what I've ever wanted. Oh, come on. You did a squirrel quartet long before COVID hit. (laughs) A what, Um, sorry? Uh, A what? Yes, the studio's free for as long as you need it. (laughs) I love the little critters. Um, um, So now it's kind of like, you know... um, what do we want to achieve in this body of work, whether whether it be an EP or whether it be an album, you know? And um, I'd say that, like, one of the biggest problems that I've had in the past is I always counted the business as a separate move to the musicality. Mm. And while that's, like, cool in the whole protective business thing, like, we're at a point where I, I don't have a manager and I don't have any of that stuff. So... Um, the first couple of meetings are always just like, all right, let's just get out your infrastructure. Let's just get this out the way. What do you want me to do? Let's figure out a split. Let's figure out how that's going to work. And then let's figure out where you want to go with it. And what is this body of work going to do from there? And once you have all of that in place, and you obviously have the demos, um, or you've sat down and listened to the tunes, then it's like, all right, cool. Let me process this for two weeks and just kind of take a bit of time to figure out, okay, I need to lean into this kind of circuitry. I need to lead into these kinds of microphones. I need to lean into this um, wood type on drums and these kind of cymbal tones and kind of build a palette so that by the time you, the artists arrive, it's like, okay, cool. Here's 25 things that I think are going to really work well. And if you don't like any of it, fantastic. I have a backup five of each of these things that's going to work. Mm -hmm. So that by the time the actual creativity comes in, there's absolutely zero administration to think about, whether it be business, whether it be circuitry, whether it be microphones, whether it be recording medium. All of that stuff to me are just little hurdles and little speed bumps that if I can deal with all of that before the person arrives. Like the first thing to make sure is that whatever we're recording for the week, everything is set up before you show up. So Mm -hmm. you literally show up with your favorite instruments and you plug them in. And we should, if you arrive at 10.30, we should be recording by 11. And that's with a coffee included at 10.30. (laughs) That is like, 
because one thing I always said about him, like, and I, I even reference the way I do my vocals today, going back to that session that we first did, because I think that that session that we did was kind of like the first time that, that I ever felt really comfortable in a session. And I'll always remember like your process was so, it was just so good. It made me feel so at ease that it was just like the the performance was never an issue. Like it was never, it never came to a section where you were like, oh fuck, or you, you felt blocked or you felt anything like that. It was just kind of this very, very smooth process. Mm. And it's because obviously you take so much time to ensure that that creative process just, is able to just flow from start to finish without being like just just hang on while I find the right snare and then you spend three hours <laughs> finding the right snare. Do you know yeah, what I mean? But like that. That, that said, the the gun pointed at your head mm. and the alligators that were circling below you as you were doing your vocal takes they really helped. <laughs> I mean, they did. Yeah. I mean, nowadays I'm just I just I just keep a baseball bat underneath the <laughs> yeah. and um, that just seems to speed the process along. Yeah, yeah you know? totally. Especially totally. with the with the the sort of. Um, <laughs> chain stuff around it as oh well and vocalists <laughs> so, <laughs> hate that shit for some reason you know what Freaks i actually out. i actually think in this world today that kind of recording process is like a real usp <laughs> i think you what? would make <laughs> what the the pressure yeah like the, the, the form of torture that will come if you don't like do it right <laughs> there would be there would be very ahead of the beat and very urgent <laughs> calm down Calm down, relax into the beat, relax. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why but, aren't you relaxing? <laughs> <laughs> but that's very true that you still do reference that. I do all the time. You and do like, reference I, it. I reference it so much whenever we're going in to do vocals and I'm like, you know, someone will be running away with something and I'll be like, no, remember back when I did the vocals then, that is how <laughs> I want to do it now. <laughs> like, I'm such a child. Esco was in that session as well, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Wow, talk about a musical tour de force, that human being. Jesus. Oh, wow, yeah. That, yeah. Like, that man made me do things with my voice that I never thought even, like I didn't think it existed inside me. Talk about referencing things, man. I mean, like to this day, the way that you can extract a good performance when confidence is running low, the techniques that he used and that I farmed from him are just like, it's a daily thing, whether I'm recording myself or recording other people. You know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. incredible and it, it definitely is that like it is a confidence thing because when, when we were in that session there was a couple of notes that I couldn't like a run that I couldn't do like the 15 minutes before I couldn't do the run 15 minutes later I was doing the run fine and that's not a case of like oh just let me hop in and do some vocal training for you like it's only 15 minutes like yeah there's an element of warming up in there but essentially it's him creating this confidence in a person that is like of course mm. you can do this mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It was was brilliant. But to to move back to your process, like I think that's super important. But what I want to ask is, um, and I kind of know what the answer is going to be, but I think it's good to just explain the answer. Um, So you're obviously quite, uh, not not rigid, but... um, like you're organized, you're like, this is what we want to do. And this, this will enhance the creative process. But then do you think that that ever hinders the, the, the creativity in a point where you're like, oh, we, we couldn't, or like, we didn't run away with that idea in the way that I thought we could have because we're kind of working within a particular parameter or do you actually think that it actually helps to work within parameters to be able to be creative? I think that it's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Um, naturally, I think because uh, both of my parents are, are business owners, they, they both run, one of them's an engineer and one of them runs a sweet factory, 
time is the biggest currency of everything all the time. And it's taken me a long time, um, again, I'd say within the last year and a half, to kind of roughly know how long is it going to take for me to get to the sound that's either in the artist's head or the sound that's in my head. And how long after that am I flogging a dead horse? Mm-hmm. So, um, I over budget time massively. Um, for me, if I'm doing one track, I tend to have two days per song. So I kind of bake in the amount of uh, um, uh, slack that's needed to keep a boy and creative process kind of happening. Um, but at the same time, I very much am. Um, thinking about the fact that, hey, if I need to tune this floor tom one more time, the backing vocal is going to go tomorrow, you know? So it's like, you got to kind of think a little bit. And on the ever-ending, on the never-ending quest for unrepeatability in terms of sonic things, you need to just bake in creative time, you know? Yeah, of course. um, I think that, the double-edged sword side of it comes in where it's like you need to be slightly aware of how long things take and that's just time and experience. And then the other side of it is you don't want to choke the process by being like, listen, mate, this is take 45. We need to, <laughs> you know, we need to, we need to step this up, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Cause I, I would never do that. I, I would, I, I would much rather uh, stop a session at three o'clock in the afternoon if we've hit a wall and say, let's reconvene in a couple of weeks and move tomorrow's recording day. Um, just move the whole session back and yeah. I need to figure out what's not working. Um, so I don't think that negative pressure on, on, on time works a lot of the time, specifically with um, vocal and harmony instruments. Like when you're trying to get a guitar solo, right? Like I know that a guitar solo is going to take between 40 and f- 40 minutes and an hour. It doesn't matter if the person knows the solo or not. It's just going to take that long because yeah. once you get the part right, you're 50% of the way there. And it's like, okay, we need to make this feel like you've done it for 38 years, you know, mm-hmm. and that just takes some time. Um, and if it takes longer than that, then I start to question like, is the part right? Am I capturing it appropriately? Uh, and all of those kinds of questions. So that's kind of a rough parameter of like time and organizational creative administration to be like, because time also erodes creativity. Like that's just one of those things, you know, if you're trying to find the synth and you are scrolling through presets for 45 minutes, it's kind of like, mate, like, is that going to actually make the song any better or not? Why don't you yeah. just do it, you know, and get on with it, you know, yeah, or yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah. So I and hope that's, that's No, like that totally. And I, as I say, I kind of, I felt like there was going to be a very measured answer of a bit of both in there, but <laughs> I, I felt like, like it's measured. Never. <laughs> <laughs> what's really frustrating me is that like because of zoom there's there's obviously that thing where it's like you know one audio takes priority over the mm. other and you're just not getting alex lovely laughing so much and it's really annoying right, me because you these, have the best laugh we're ever. recording these separately so oh, here's really? com- we're not you know i'm sure the audience love to know that though yeah they do <laughs> he just has the best laugh um well, we've changed our way of operating because of that, because yeah. of even when songwriting these days, because the lines between songwriting and production are so blurred, you'll be like writing a new tune and you'll be going through stuff and you're like, okay, cool. We, I've got this idea for the beat, which is probably going to unlock the next part of the process to get the, the next part of the song down. Um, and the beat might just be like a boom, 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 
But then getting that rather than a or a rather than a can really make a difference to the process. But also it can be like, okay, here we go. And let's go. And you're going through all of them. And then you're like, hang on, 45 minutes has passed and we've not even got this simple beat down. So we've had to refine that ourselves just in a songwriting process to be like, we know what our sort of sonic identity is now. Here are the here are the sounds that we use for this basic part, and then now onto the next thing. Well, that's why I was kind of saying as well. Like sometimes I feel like it can be more creative to work, like to give yourself boundaries, because yeah. sometimes I think the amount of choice is too overwhelming for a creative process. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It really that, is. Go on. That's a that's a that's a humongous point. Yeah, you know, choice is so lethal so much of the time and um you know whether that be synth presets or whether that be a a democratic uh creative process sometimes that is so corrosive to actual uh intention and that's that's rough as hell yeah and that and there's no there's no accounting for that because it's different with different people it's different yeah so like you know it's so subjective um and there's a, there's an artist that I work quite closely with, and I sort of have said to her, she's she's quite young, she's I think she's 18 now, and um, she wants to start like collaborating with other people. She's been working with me for a little while, and I said to her like, we need to we need to collaborate less on from a songwriter and producer point of view, but on we need to mix this because you're going to go into a session and with a with it to collaborate with a songwriter because a manager would want her to wants her to do that and she's she's not she's not going to know how that works between you know she's not going to know her own identity let alone how to use that in a collaborative sense um and you know and it's not even just the choice of presets or the choice of um you know the the technical stuff but it's the choice of how to operate as well oh yeah how am i going to do this in this one session compared to how i would do it with you shell or how i do it with just the two of us alec or whatever you know um one thing I want to ask you, sorry, I went on a bit of a meandering walk then. but You do that, it's fine. I don't know, I don't know they're used to it. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask you, though, is it by the sounds of things, so, and this, this has probably been the case since I've known you, but everything that you do and everything, the way that you operate and the ethos and the, the, the aura that you put out there seems healthy, which, yeah. which as a musician, fascinates me. <laughs> <laughs> because I have no idea how to do both. Um, but it sounds like we... we the, undervaluing yourself or oneself has been the theme of the year this year for us hasn't it yeah. especially on uh, on the podcast but like just in life as well um i can't say that i would characterize you as someone who undervalues themselves and is that something that naturally comes to you or are you working on it and have you had to work on it as a business owner maybe not a business owner it could be a musician one, right? as well yeah i mean you know, you want to talk about undervaluing. Um, I, before I met and worked with you guys, I was um, I was gigging excessively um, and and doing a lot of jazz shows, like like playing um, uh, drums. I, As a drummer, the, yeah. If you don't know me. I also play drums a bit, and um, I was doing. Um, why am I picking up this? Um, <laughs> tape as soon as I started thinking about jazz. <laughs> it's your vessel. It's your jazz vessel. Yeah. But I keep my jazz. I only have this much, this much left. <laughs> <laughs> 
for anyone who, for anyone who doesn't know what just happened, that was a tape. That was a roll of tape. <laughs> um, you know, and there's there's these beautiful uh, bars in in Liverpool, and some of them have uh, closed down consequently, and some of them have turned into different venues. But we would um, would get there and play from like seven p.m. till eleven p.m. And there'd always be like two people who would come to these gigs. Like literally, those were the two people. And they were also employed by the venue itself. Um, and, <laughs> and carrying notepads around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, um, one, of my, one of my friends, a guy called Eric Anaman, and he's an incredible saxophonist. And we were playing with um, some amazing bass players and um, trumpeters, this guy called Martin Smith is kind of like the godfather of jazz in the city and you know we would play our asses off like you know two to five times a week and we'd be playing for out of those four hours we'd be playing for three one hour sets yeah. and uh, at the end of the night you know um, the bar would be like cool so you're allowed to have like one or two pints on us that's absolutely fine and um, and then it would be like pay time and then it would be 27 pounds fuck they wouldn't even round it up to 30 like, that, <laughs> <laughs> like how did we end up with 27 and then you'd be like do you have change because you paid us in tenors and then they'd be like ah oh, I don't know uh, just, just just hold on let me just you see like the bartender like reaching in his back pocket like trying to pull money out and be like mate like my entire musical journey, I've just played the best gig of my life to literally only you. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, that to me was the, I did that for, I think, two years, maybe three. And um, in between, obviously, doing Neo Soul R&B gigs and like Hannah's Bar and all of that kind of stuff, which was immensely amazing. But again, that was like 30 quid we got. Mm-hmm. And it was like... A, you know, uh, yeah, and um, <laughs> I, I, I remember sitting with Tim, who you spoke about, um, and it was just before we started this recording journey, which happened by accident. And um, we, he looked at me, and we were sat eating breakfast in um, the Baltic Social, and breakfast every day was, I think it was twelve pounds eighty or something like that. And he looked at me and he's like, we're eating this and it's going to sustain us until lunch. And that is like six hours of our life. And we just played. We paid for this with the money we made last night. And we've just lost half of the money that we've just made Mm. for one meal. Mm -hmm. And... We, at that point, were charging, I can't even remember, I mean, it, it would have been around the time we were working with you guys, and I think it was like 250 pounds a song or whatever, including mix, I think, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was two of us, so we were effectively making 125 pounds per, um, per production each, yeah. minus the rent of the room, which was 572 pounds a month, plus the internet, which was 35 so for us to uh, take one pound out of the business, we had to produce like five or six tracks um, to be able to pay the rent and then to be able to pay ourselves something, not mm-hmm. to mention 
um, gear acquiring syndrome, which is a very, very lethal disease. You <laughs> it know? is. It is. Yeah. Whoa, GAS. I've never even. That's that's it. That's what T's got. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel partly responsible for that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you are you are a hundred percent responsible for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were we had to restructure how valuing what we did financially started to bring value to us personally because I mm. don't think that those two things are disconnected. Mm. Like I've never been more stressed in my life. Um, then like now currently you know like there's i'm i'm thankful to still have a lot of mix work coming in and stuff which is great um but if there's not enough money coming in um then how you value yourself and look after yourself physically and mentally um is 100% directly affected and like one of the things that um, Tim and I worked very hard on at the beginning was how do you value your financial state of mind versus your creativity versus your mental well-being and physical well-being and um, those things in the creative mind always seem so like separated like I don't want to think about money man you know like that's not like that's not music you know mm-hmm. and then the truth is that once you start treating your personal life as well as you treat your gear arsenal, then that's kind of when things start to kind of weigh up a little bit better. So valuing yourself um, equally to your creativity is painful, but it's extremely important, you know, and that um again o- 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 over the past couple of years for me has been such a a huge thing because i would put the studio first in front of everything everything was the studio and that was necessary at that time because you know you you're growing something and mm. it damn near almost killed me you know and it's like after a while it was like why do you treat the space so much better than you treat your actual self like where 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 is that there's a huge disconnect there you know um and um thankfully being in a very healthy relationship has helped a lot but treating my body like i treat this space like hey wake up in the morning go to the gym eat well and then you'll also work better. Also, mm-hmm. don't work past 6.30 at night because you want to be able to make a good meal and you want to be able to sleep so that you can do it again six days a week, you know? Yeah. So um, valuing your creativity as much as you value your bank account is super important, but valuing the vessel that makes all of those things happen, your body, is um, actually the most important thing to make all of those things balance out. Now, um, to have a sustainable, uh, actual creative career, that is still something I'm battling with massively because I want to work with people who are up and coming predominantly um, and I want to develop people, but those people don't necessarily have the finance to be able to do that. So Mm. with the way that the studio is running now, it is charging as much as it can to be able to maintain the 
the level of artist that I'm working with, but it's also detracting from the growth that I want to do over the next year outside of just producing and mixing, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's only because I, 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 I value my ambition, my ambitious thoughts enough to be able to be like, okay, so if you want to go this distance and you want to do these things and you want to be able to bring your craft to more people, how are you going to do that? And the truth is I need to charge more for certain things and less for other things, you know? Mm -hmm. So I hope that answers roughly yeah, yeah. what yeah, I... Yeah, more, more. So right, so, something super interesting that you said earlier on was that like, a value in yourself as much as you would value like your gear arsenal mm. and yeah. that you and not that's not even just valuing it as in like one how much it's worth actually how much it is actually worth two the way in which you look after it because of its worth and three how much that that having that thing is to is to you so like the importance that 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 thing brings to your creative process and yeah. The, you know, there's, for example, like a, a guitar that Alex has or a synth that team might have. And they value that so much because it's integral to their sound, but it's also, it costs them a lot. Like, you know, it, it, but then looking at yourself and being like, but also you are the performer who makes that thing work and you are the person needed in order for that thing to also have value. So you yeah. should value yourself just as much, if not more than that thing. I've never looked at it like that before. And well, you are the you are the aggregate sort of device. That's if if Alec isn't in that room and all that equipment is sat there, nice and freshly cleaned, or it's you know, or freshly purchased and it's in perfect condition and it's sat there, all very nice and expensive, but it doesn't do anything without Alec in the room. Yeah, and then it doesn't do it the same as it would if someone else was in the room either. Absolutely, yeah, um, yeah. And that's interesting. I've never thought about that before. And I'm going to think about that going forward. Thank you very much. Yeah, I take, I take absolutely everything that you said as a personal attack. And, <laughs> and I've had it with this podcast. <laughs> no, but it is so important. Uh, well, for the listeners, you won't have heard any of that because I literally just got that for my own self-help going to sleep thing that I'm going to put in my I was literally just. I was literally just about to say, like, Alec, can I get a voice note from you every Monday morning, please? That's like 10 minutes long, just telling me about how I should focus on the weekend. <laughs> 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 um, there was something in there that I wanted to, like, segue into, and I can't remember what it was, but it was more of, like, a move it away from like the floaty artistry thing and move it into the kind of like technical producer world. And I can't remember what it was and it will come to me. So you can take over. If you over. know what Shell was thinking, email in <laughs> deliamusic at gmail.com and we'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> this is my entire life. <laughs> yeah, well, so far that's happened once every two weeks and no one's emailed. No one knows what, you th what the hell you're oh, thinking. Um, do you want us to move on to a section or do you want... Yeah, yeah, go on. You yeah? Go. yeah? All right, cool. In my prompter. Yes, okay, cool. So I would drop the jingle in. Did you do well by Oasis? Why don't you just go on the air? Is there any chance you can sound more it's like you said? What's your plan B? Plan B. Plan B. Oh. Plan B. Oh. Plan B. Don't know the door. You're going to have a sound, mate. What's that going to do when he's finished with the drums? There. So this is called, What's Jack going to do when he's finished with the drums? Now, I mentioned this before, Alec. 
just to give you a little brief rundown. But basically, this is a section of the podcast where we talk about strange occurrences, uh, funny quirks, annoyances, grievances um, that you may only know about because you work in the industry in which you work. So the, the title of the, of the, of the um, section comes from Jack Batchelor, who I'm not sure if you'd have known, but he was a drummer in our year. Very good drummer. He's just gone and done a master's in drums and <laughs> <laughs> in the derms. And uh, whenever his grandparents would speak to his parents, especially when he was in Lipper, they would ask him, uh, they would ask them, what's Jack going to do when he's finished with the drums? Uh, which, you know, Jack just loved. And <laughs> we just loved and uh, have, have, what, how many episodes is this? Nearly 70 episodes of talking about these things. And they yeah. just seem to never end. No. Um, if anyone has anything, shoot. I've got a little something this I, week, but no, it's, it's tiny and it's it's. I, I want to hear yours because I feel like I was there when it happened. I, I don't think you were. I'm intrigued to, to think about, to, to, to know what you're thinking about. All right, well, go on. I might be prompted. Okay. Mine, mine's pretty niche, but I just noticed it the other day. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought maybe this would be, <laughs> what'd you say, Alec? Niche mullen. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That joke was so many levels then. <laughs> um, the I thought, you know what? I thought about this with Craig and then we talked about something else with Craig the other week and I was like, I'm going to save this for Alec. I feel like Alec might do this. Do you have, uh, you know, pre- prejudice isn't a good thing in any walk of life, but do you have cable prejudice? Right. And what I say is cable. you pick up a certain cable. Oh, like not TV cable. No, no, no. Like a, like an, like a cable that you would plug into a microphone or, or into a guitar <laughs> or a, anything. Or even just like headphone cables. That's so stupid. <laughs> I do this all the fucking time. I got one cable in that box, right? It works totally perfectly. There's nothing wrong with it. But I am never using that cable because I just pull it out and just the way it looks and the way it feels and everything. I'm just kind of a bit like, nah, no, I'm not, I'm not using this. But then there's this cable that you're using right now, Shell. That cable is perfect, and if I could have ten of them, I'd use them. But I don't know where the hell I got this. Is it my from. favorite cable, the one with the bendy thing on? <laughs> I thought, I thought <laughs> this is my I favorite cable. We were talking to Alec <laughs> I thought he was about to reach. He just reached down to pick up a water bottle, but I thought you were reaching down to pick up your favorite cable. <laughs> so did I. People with me everywhere I go. Uh, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> uh, cable prejudice, yeah, man, absolutely. Is um, that just me? No. No, no. no. Uh, I, I, I have had cable prejudice uh, for a very long time. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a very small uh, story, actually, about Please. cabling in, in, in general. Okay. Um, one of my friends, a guy called Ed Black, is a fantastic musician, and yeah. uh, he does awesome work uh, with some fantastic artists, but most importantly with himself. He does some really, really beautiful things. Have you guys mm. had him on? on? No, 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 we've not. Oh, talk about a marvelous mind. Get that human on here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, this was back when we were still studying and uh, I was in his band. And it's one of those people that would put the cable into the bag and like keep shoving it in. And wouldn't like coil it. Oh. And I lost my <laughs> mind. I was playing for this guy and we weren't like <laughs> top mates or anything. And I just lost it. I lost <laughs> it completely. And this happened not only with Ed, but it happened when I was, uh, you know, studying in university and you'd have these like studio sessions within the course and whatever. And these 
new sound engineers. And obviously now looking back at it, I'm a little bit um, embarrassed by it, but I still stand by it, obviously. Um, walk in and there would just be like this bowl of spaghetti. And with poor Ed, he was, he just shoved his cable into the bag without coiling it. And I just stood up and I was like, no! <laughs> just lost it man i lost it and i told him like we spent five minutes like rolling up cables and the funniest thing about that is i think it was last year he had a gig in liverpool and he called me he's like hey man you want to play on this gig i was like yeah of course and uh he's like i gotta tell you and i had for i had forgotten about this I, you know, I, i'd just forgotten about it but it unlocked this like thing yeah, of like ptsd or something <laughs> And uh, he's like, you know, every time I wind up a cable, I wind it up exactly the way that you showed me. And I <laughs> only ever wind up cables that way. And it made me think about when I was in third year and I got asked to do the session with some first year engineers. Mm. And they had booked the studio for the overnight slot, which is always the shittest experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, I walked in and in front of the cable, there was this, uh, in front of the drum kit, there was this mound of cables. And... I just walked into the studio and I looked at them and I looked at the cables and I said, I'll be back in 15 minutes. If you sort this out, the session will carry on. If you don't, I will definitely go home. I unplugged every XLR from the patch bay and I just took my cymbals and my snare. That's such a twat. That's a, that's a twat move. Yeah. <laughs> In. And after that session, every session on any engineer that I ever worked with in that building, the cables were perfectly coiled underneath the stands because yeah. you're going to change the cables out, you know? Yeah. Um, but in my studio, I had, um, you know, you, you, we all play live and we all produce. So um, you generally, at most of the time, you know, you're always two cables short somehow. And I had blue cables for live and black cables for when I was in the studio. But as sessions got bigger and bigger and bigger and stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't keep using these different cables. They were exactly the same cables. You know, they were Van Damme with Neutrik ends. That's, that's the only way to have an actual XLR cable if anybody wants to know. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> um, And then, and then I just, I, yeah, I, during lockdown this year, I, I just made myself another 40 cables, uh, like XLR cables. And I was like, cool, that's it. Every other cable is now gone. <laughs> and I was like, I, the only way for me to not think about cables is to have exactly the same cable across the board. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, I did not know I was going to unlock that with No, with I that. didn't. Not with that, like that passion. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is, right, I remember, I don't know how a, a first-year sound engineer could fuck that up so royally because I remember literally, and this is no word of a lie, the first lesson that I had when I went into university, first year, you sit down, you go into your first lecture, you're like expecting to have this magical experience the first day, and literally the guy from the sound, the, the sound tech little <laughs> hole came in and was like, the first lesson, the first lesson... <laughs> First lesson you're going to learn is how to coil a cable. This sounds like hole. You know, the little things. It's like this dirty little thing in the ground. They're like, ugh. Yes, but their cables are perfect. You shine a torch down there and there's loads of them. Like, yeah. <laughs> Honestly. And, and that was the first thing you learned. And he was like, 
he said it with such venom that I was like, I am never going to do that wrong for the rest of my life. And every time I coil a cable, I think of that man. And I, I know who he was. I can't remember his name. He was tall. He was skinny. He was a scouser. And, and like, that, that, that's all I know about him. <laughs> Paul McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, for me, right, mine's more on a sense of like, so don't get me wrong, I, I do gather this prejudice. And with my guitar stuff, I have it a lot more where I'm like, this is the one that goes into the guitar and that is the one that goes into the amp and you do not mix them up. They go, they go that way round, right? And I have that kind of shit going on all the time. But I also have it with certain cables and there's a certain cable I've had to let go now because I would be like... I'd plug it in and we'd be doing covers gigs in some shitty bar or whatever. And then, you know, you end the mic and you plugged it in and it's a bit like, we're going in. Oh, oh fuck. <laughs> but because, but because I just like that cable so much, I'm like, it's fine. Just, just jam it and just widget. It, and then you gotta just give it, just give it some time. Just understand it. It just needs to let, <laughs> and eventually I've had to let that cable go because after a while you plugged it in and it wasn't, it was just, Oh, <laughs> I know. And it died. Alex was like listening to that story, then clutching his chest, like, oh, you killed me. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave the cable alone. <laughs> still my own cable. <laughs> he buries them in the back of it. Lies. Oh, man. Does anyone else have anything they want to bring to the table? Um, no, I mean, nothing. The cable that's table. Gonna, no, not for me. No, nothing that's going to top that right now. How about you, Alec? Um, well, I, I, you know, co- coming back to the whole thing, is like, what's Jack going to do when he's finished with the drums thing? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I, I think that there's so many um, stories like that. I mean, you know, I, I come from um, a half Greek, half Afrikaans family, and, and the Greek side of the family, uh, bearing in mind that my what, one of my cousins is a... Um, is a cinematographer and the other one ran a music studio for a long time. Um, they, my entire Greek side of the family is just asking when I'm going to open a shop like that. <laughs> <laughs> now I get that a bit less because they kind of see this as a shop, but you know, every time it's like, so how is the music? What is happening with the music? And uh, when are you going to get the job? You know, and I'm like, wow, Red, you've seen me play since I was three years old, and yeah. you're still asking me when I'm gonna get a damn job. Yeah. You know, um, so now you know, I just think to myself a lot of the times, and I've seen it with younger artists here whose parents are like, okay, well, you know, we're gonna give this a shot, but they're not gonna actually study music; they're gonna study, you know, chemical. Bonding whatever. or whatever, some course. Uh, I don't know why that came to mind. Um, and, um, you know, I've, I've sat with a couple of parents who have said to me, look, we want our child to, um, to go and study music or, you know, um, do a higher education within music. And then if that doesn't work, and as soon as that sentence comes out, I just say, stop. Listen, if there's a plan B, plan A's importance drops by 50%. That's just Mm. how it is. And I remember when I was applying for universities, my parents, um, the University of Cape Town is a 
is an incredible, uh, has an incredible music course, uh, predominantly jazz and, and bebop and big band course, which is fantastic. People from UNT, like University of Texas, will sometimes go do a master on that side to go and, and play and, and get the South African big band thing, you know. Mm. Um, and my parents said, listen, you know, you've applied to this LIPA, as they used to call it back in the day. And um, <clears throat> that's LIPA for people who uh, <laughs> wouldn't get that joke. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, but they were like, but you need to apply for other universities. And um, so um, they got the University of Cape Town forms and they said I had to fill it all in. And I just filled in all of the wrong information across the across the entire thing. And... <laughs> um, my dad said, cool, I'll just take this to the post office for you. Um, and he, he went to work that day. I didn't hear from him. And then he came back with the envelope still in his hand. And he was like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you, you, you're going to study music because let's be honest, you're not going to do anything else, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Academically, I was really not a very good student at all. Um, and, um, and, he just said to me, you know, this is a second option and it's a, and it's a really good option. You know, why, why would you sabotage the, this weird part of the thing, you know, even if you get accepted? And even back then, bearing in mind, I was, I think, 17 at that time. And I just said to him, plan B is to make plan A work. And the only way that plan A is not going to happen is if a better plan A comes along between now and when I'm on a plane to that side. And I mm. hadn't been accepted into Lipper at that point, you know. Um, I hadn't even had my interview yet. And uh, that has kind of rung out with me. And I try to convey that to people a lot of the time, where it's like having a plan B or having a backup is cool. Like there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Obviously, you need to have a redundancy in some form or another. Um, but if that redundancy dilutes the actual intention of whatever you're going to do, you know, um, then that's really not worth having the plan A in the first place. You need to really evaluate your plan A if that's mm -hmm. the case, you know. Yeah. So I've actually, thankfully, since then, convinced a couple of parents to um, not send their kids to a higher music education, but to take what they would have spent in that first year and fly their kids around to songwriting camps and yeah. use that as an actual indicator. Because I'm sure, I don't know if it's the same for you two, but if I had to study again now, I don't necessarily think that I would have picked the course that I did. You know, same. studying yeah. composition and songwriting and production was cool, but I would have much rather studied um, sound engineering with electrical engineering or something because I learned two years after studying, hey, I'm more of a nerd than I thought I was. Mm -hmm. But if I had jumped into touring as a, as, a, as a player for the first two years before studying, I think I would have come to this conclusion Alien. much easier before being forced into a mold that I had to then break that mold to then relearn what I and have the childlike creativity of a 16, you know, 15, 16 year old again. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, that, I, I totally agree with that. And like that, that idea of kind of like breaking that mold that you've had built up for years, like actually rings, rings really true mm. that you, you kind of, you, well, yeah, you definitely will go back and do things differently, but I wonder whether 
in the act of breaking that mold, um, you be kind of like that was a very important lesson that without that you may you may not have ended up in the place that you are now. Absolutely. So there is part of me that's like, yeah, I pro- if if I were to go back, I think actually you were the person who said this, where you were like, like if I had the opportunity to go back. I wouldn't necessarily, I can't remember what you said, but you phrased it in a way that was like, I wouldn't be in the position that I am now had I have not done that stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess if I look back on it, the different, that you know, you would learn different things or you would have thought you would have learned different things, but I never would have ended up here had I have not. So mm. yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Asking the question, what if, I think is one of the most dangerous things that you can do as yeah. a human being. If you have to say, well, what if we did this differently or what if I didn't steal the sweets from the shop, you know, yeah. all of those things have made me a better producer and drummer now, you know, yeah. and it's always 2020, um, which is also a dick, you know. Yeah. What enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think as well, you can look back on it and go, oh, like I always, th- I chose songwriting and performance as my things to do in my third year of Lipper. And now I spend more time doing composition and production mm. and which were the, the other two that I could have picked um but I don't necessarily view that as like oh I should I like what if I'd have done that I'd be I would I wouldn't necessarily be having to learn all this now and da, 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 da. and it's like actually no you, have, you go okay I didn't do that then which means I have to learn it now which yeah. is fine I've I still learned the other stuff as well and I can do the others it's not mm-hmm. like oh I didn't do that then so I can't do that now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely and like something else that I found that just to pick up on as well that you said that I would like to expand on um, was saying that not not necessarily having a plan B, but um, there's a very there's a very important distinction between having a plan B that dis- that disrupts plan A or that is directly opposite to plan A and that doesn't help it. <clears throat> But then, like you say, it's very important to have, or it's not very important, but it's something to think about of having like a. Um, well, I don't know, how did you say it? Like a, Redundancy. A redundancy. Yeah, you know, like there's having that thing there. And I, I think I struggle with that for a long time of being like, oh, but I can't do a normal job because if I do a normal job, then that means I'm going to hinder what I'm doing now. And it took me a long time to learn like, no, the the industry that you work in, it means right now you need a second job and that's fine. But you, so long as you know where that second job is in your mind, you know what it is, you know how it sits into your creative career and you basically know that what it is is a moneymaker for your creative career. So yeah. it's it, it's such an important distinction to be like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to be a musician and if that doesn't work, then I'm going to run a wedding dress shop. But also I need to work and enhance other skills in other areas of my life, but in order to bring up the area of my life, the plan A, in order to help the plan A. Mm. Exactly. Um, Very delicate balance, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Mm. Also, I'm looking forward to seeing the new TV series, The Adventures of Cable Prejudice. Exactly. <laughs> um, before we move on, anyway, he does. It, he sounds like you know Cable Prejudice, played by Vin Diesel. <laughs> All right, are we going to move on to the recommendation section of the podcast? Yeah, go for it. E- oh my God, who the fuck is Peter Guy? Who's he, lad? All right, cool. This section is called "Who the fuck is Peter Guy." Um, he is a music reviewer from Liverpool who our drummer George Corman took exception to because he's never got a good review off him. And you know what? That's not very nice, is it? So we <laughs> don't want to review things that are shit because if it's shit, we don't want to hear about it. We just want to hear about the good stuff. But also, 
shit is subjective. Well, exactly. That's, well, that's the point. That's the point, yeah. <laughs> um, so we can recommend film, music, art, books, Instagram accounts to follow, people to just check oh, out, all got... sorts of shit. Whatever you want to recommend. I think we've had people recommending things like, you know... Um, an Instagram account that, like, uh, it was me, in fact, that Instagram account of that old man the at the start of lockdown where him, oh, him and his wife were just, did like, you see posting him, nice shit. Oh, my God. Jeffrey it, Walks. Oh, and he would just, like, just film a little video of himself and his wife, and they were, like, they must have been, like, 80, and he'd be like, today she's out in the garden, and, and she's just there <laughs> digging a flower bed up. Oh, my God. It killed me. What, uh, if anything, does anyone want to recommend this week? Um, I, I've got a recommendation that I found this morning, but I need to find it. Okay. Um, if you've got something, you want to go first? Me? No, 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 no. I, I open it out to the floor. Alex, All is right. there anything that... Oh, oh you found I, I can it. start. No, no, no. But I think oh. I know what the name of it is, and you can put it in the show notes afterwards, so I know what yes. it is. All of, of this will be in the show notes afterwards. Yeah, sweet. So... I, and I want to get this, I think, for like a Christmas present or a birthday present for someone. And it's a subscription to this magazine called like The Happy Zine or The Happy Magazine. And basically it pulls, it goes through like uh, news of that month or whatever. And it basically pulls out all of like the, like the happiest stories or the really positive stories. And then puts it into one magazine where you can kind of read about all the stories and mm. read about like... You know, just read about happy shit, stuff that makes you happy. And their Instagram feeds reads like a happy source of news. So instead of going onto your BBC News app and being like, there's a global pandemic and we're all going to die, you can go onto their Instagram feed and be like, oh, but also this guy also, has this done something really nice. just landed on my finger. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and like one of them this morning was that there was, they were saying that there's 200 more elephants in this particular part of Africa than there was last year and I, or a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, that's really nice because, mm. and, and also you need to keep measured and be like, that doesn't mean that we can go on and kill all the elephants. But it just means that there's a... <laughs> <laughs> it, <laughs> it just means that there's like a you know a good bit of news that you can wake up to in the morning and also you can you can, <laughs> you, can, you can subscribe to like get an actual hard copy of it and it comes every four months well you know what and I as like a christmas it. present you can buy someone a yearly subscription fucking hell you started pounds. working for this this, this b this plan b hustle that you've been talking about and, and you get you get one every quarter I like that. I like that it's stuff like the elephants thing, where it's like, oh, this is actually substantial things to be happy about. Yeah, yeah. it's like, not like a, a lady. You've bird got a nice hair today. No, it's not. It's it's like it pulls things from actual media, but it's all the stuff that gets lost in the panic that we don't see. Okay, cool. So I want to recommend those guys. You didn't still didn't find the name, but the name no, will be in the show notes. It's like the Happy Magazine or the Happy Zine or something. <clears throat> all right, come back to us on that. Yeah, well. All right, cool. Alec, is there anything you'd like to recommend? This episode is sponsored by the Happy Potential. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I've, I've, um, I've. Obviously, it's been a, a really weird time, um, but uh, one of the things for me has been um, listening to full albums again. Uh, cool. And this is like a big one. <laughs> Michelle's giving me the eyes of like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's um, I've I, I've I've gone down this this beautiful rabbit hole uh, of uh, astounding individual called Blake Mills, um, 
well known for producing the Alabama Shakes and a bunch yeah. of cool stuff like that. But he's also written his own albums and they've done quite well. Um, and um, if you ever get the chance, listen to his uh, latest record, which is called Mutable Set. Um, you will not like it the first two times you hear it, and then you will be able to not not want to listen to it. It's the okay. most seductive thing, um, musically seductive, um, lyrically, and 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 all of that. The next is uh, Becca Mankari. Um, that is incredible her latest record is extremely beautiful um and sounds that are exciting me at the moment everything from beautiful synthesis to crunchy ass fuzzy farty guitars it's all in that space which is amazing um and then the last thing i would recommend is having a good morning routine uh <laughs> what is what's your morning routine my morning routine yeah uh, here we go. Um, <laughs> this is something that has eluded me since the beginning of all of this. And I, 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 I want to uh, ask the same question to you after I tell you mine, because okay. I feel like it's important for people to know that <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a different one. Um, mm -hmm. Especially in this sort of industry, because yeah. you know, people really don't know. Yeah. Um, one of the, I, I wake up at 5.55 every morning. Um, and that is, I mean, I, I also go to bed at like 10.45 at night. So, right. you know, you gotta, you gotta find the sleep somewhere, but, mm. um, wake up in the morning and the first part of the day is just me time where I'll get out of bed as quietly as possible so that I don't wake Amelia up. And then <laughs> uh, I always do. And, uh, <laughs> and that takes 45 minutes. Catherine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zeta jonesing my way through the lasers in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, moving one atom at a time. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll obviously do all of my uh, morning bits and bobs getting... Um, just getting my head right. I designate a little bit of time to scrolling on my phone, uh, but that's mostly like email response and like a little bit of YouTube time and stuff. And then um, go to the gym or run. That's like the single most important thing I do in the day uh, besides pressing space bar loads. That is like... <laughs> the, I have... Uh, in the last couple of years come to realize like, oh, Al, man, so you have like mental health problems, dude, you know, um, <laughs> you are an anxious human being because in my family, mental health is like, he's not happy. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling really sad today. Okay, you must work harder, you know, and well, that's where that goes, you know. Um, um, so learning, and, and this is obviously thanks to being in a healthy relationship. Um, Amelia is very physical and she's like very active. Um, so learning to run and uh, treating my body well for an hour a day, whether it's like this morning, I just went for a walk down the whole docks um, and planning my day um, or um, projecting how I want to be creative for an artist or for myself if I'm writing or if I'm recording a video or anything like that um, and, and planning that day so that by the time I come home um, or we come home uh, from the workout session, whether it be running, walking or gymming, then it's breakfast, uh, which is the most important meal of the day, which I only realized about two years ago. Um, 
and um, then I arrive at the studio at 9 a.m. Um, most days today I arrived a bit later because I had to uh, transport my Lego uh, space station <laughs> that I built this weekend <laughs> uh, <laughs> to so the studio. Um, and, um, and then the artist arrives at 10.30. So I give myself one and a half hours to set up and to um, make sure everything's working appropriately. Um, and then when that person arrives. And then obviously I finish work at uh, between 6 and 6.30 every day uh, and go home and cook a good dinner. Um, and I have stopped eating meat, really. Um, I don't... Um, I'm, I, I, I will have fish... Uh, and at Christmas time, I will most definitely partake of any of the beautifully roasted uh, animals. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's just trying to kind of value, like when I do it, it's like, ah, oh, that feels really good. Um, yeah. um, so that's like my morning routine, and I and I and I take Sundays off. I had my first Saturday off in three months. Yeah, the Saturday that just passed. Um, mm. So by having time in the morning and time at night it helps me evade the burnout a little bit better. Um, but I'd love to hear your guys' routines. If yeah, I mean... Have. All them routines. <laughs> I love how your morning routine started at 5.15 this morning and finished at Christmas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's just the morning. <laughs> but uh, routine, morning routine, you say. A routine. I would know, right... No, I would really love a routine. And I have a coffee every day in the morning. I think a routine is so important. And when I when I fall into a routine, I'm like, I do feel good for it. Mm. Um, but then, I don't know, like I need to understand how to value a routine because I don't place enough value on it even yeah. though I know how valuable it is, I don't place enough value, enough value on it to so that when life gets busy, I, instantly it's like the first yeah. thing that goes out the window. When that routine is is in swing, or a I take that routine as if there's one, but when a routine is in swing for us, it is amazing. Yeah, it's like, Everything oh, this, is, how, this is how life should be. Um, but then I suppose because because we have such, like every day is different, even as to like whether we're working at home or whether I'm in the studio or the shells off to the yoga studio, whether, you know, and, the, and then they, that is different each week because it's not set the designated days. We kind of use that as an excuse to be like, oh, we, well, there isn't a routine. My routine is that we get up and generally speaking, we'll have breakfast together and stuff. So that probably remains a constant. And that is something that we sort of subconsciously do anyway. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but then yeah. that is an excuse. Hmm? Say that again. Sorry. Morning breakfast is like I think super integral to a, a very healthy relationship. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and and we would like. I don't know if it. I think it started off as the actual reason as to why the routine was never uh, established properly, but has now become an excuse as to why the routine is not established. Yeah, but also kind of like you, Alec. You know, over recent years, or not even recent years, I'd probably say over the last maybe year to six months, I've been like, okay, I need to work on my mental health um, because I'm crazy. And <laughs> like, one of my things is that, and like you, I'm a very anxious person. And what doesn't help me is um, all of the shoulds. All of my shoulds really don't help me, um, and I've I I know that even when I haven't got a routine, if I am busy, one thing that does help me is if I kind of even just come back to a kind of 
simple mindful practice that mm. is me saying to myself it's okay that you didn't get up and exercise this morning it's okay that you didn't do that like it, it don't beat yourself up too much about it and I think that is that's it that's an important part of my routine and yeah like you say everybody has like a different kind of routine but I know that when I am in one and when my time and availability allows me to be in one I do feel more not necessarily better but I just feel like my head has space which I think mm -hmm. is important but when when it doesn't I have to also be very strict in being like don't beat yourself up because that's when you get yourself in a bad place yeah I find it very interesting how you say that when my time and availability allows me to have exactly one. Exactly. And that's why I need to, that's why I need to flip the value on it. And, and it, I work with a couple of in instructors in work whose classes I always love going to. And it got to the point the other day where I, I, even she at one point was like, well, you know, if you came to my classes every week, you'd know like I used to. And I was like, oh, fuck, when you're mm -hmm. in your instructor starts noticing that you're not coming to, collect, mm -hmm. to practice. And it, it, it made me be, I was like, I know, yeah, I'm just so busy. And she was the one who was like, you have to prioritize your exercise and your health only you can prioritize that nobody else can yeah you will so, always like, be busy if you put that into your diary like you ha it, it's hard but you have to be like no i'm not going to say mm. yes to work in that hour because that hour is my exercise hour mm. and that is that is tough to do that yeah i'm only just learning this and i'm learning it it's a concept that i probably knew a long time ago <laughs> but was like, it doesn't apply to me. That applies to everyone else. <laughs> and now I'm starting to learn, oh, no, no, that is me. Oh, mm. oh, especially me. Oh, because I am me. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> but actually doing it is a different thing, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I, find interesting. Uh, I think that the, um, you know, the, the, there was, uh, I, can't, I can't remember who, who told me, it's like, you'll always be busy. But if you have a parcel arriving or if somebody's installing Wi-Fi into your house, somehow, yeah. that day, you make it work. Mm -hmm. There's a TED Talks about that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I'm just like, whoa, okay. How do I keep doing that? Like, oh, I've got a meeting with the council or whatever. It's like, okay, cool. Well, obviously, I just need to do this, this, and this, and this. And it's yeah. like, yeah. oh, so maybe breakfast isn't actually that rough. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think to, uh, to, uh, to not avoid your question completely, when that routine is in place, um, it would, or it, or it has been in place in, in the past. Generally speaking, it would be that Shell needs to be still for the morning. So meditation or something like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe yoga. Um, but generally it doesn't have to be in the morning for her, whereas mine would revolve around movement and being like, okay, I need to go out and run or I need to go out and do this and I need to like just blow off this steam first thing uh, yeah. for thee to then feel good for the rest of the day rather than being like, okay, today's going, but I need to go for a run at six o'clock. You know, yeah. it's like the run is done. How do you, uh, I don't know if this is um, something you guys want to get into, but like um, Amelia and I... Um, Amelia's a music producer as well, and she's also teaching a mm -hmm. uh, fantastic photographer. So she's a very creative human being. And obviously, yeah. I'm a very creative uh, human being as well with all of the different bits and bobs that I do. Um, that has been a really good thing for our relationship where I was very apprehensive about it at the beginning. Um, how have you found that being with the person that you 
work with and are creative with and having the same lifestyle, has that been a really healthy thing for the two of you? Or has it been a massive learning curve? Because I feel like there's a lot of people who we know aren't in relationships or are thinking about it, but will not allow themselves to do it because they're more afraid of it. I mean, that yeah. was like the three months before Amit and I got together, we started talking about being together and didn't do it because we were both extremely measured and had to be like, well, let's run the pros and cons. Let's do a SWOT analysis. Exactly. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am. I'd say for me, it was like a bit of both. And I totally um, started in that place of like, holy crap, this is never going to work. And I'm also very like, I work a lot in terms of how personalities gel and a little bit of astrology when you want to. And I'm, we're both we're both <laughs> Sagittariuses. And I was like, okay, this is never going to work. And we <laughs> do the same thing. We're both the same people and it's very difficult. Um, mm. But then I remember very, really early on in our relationship reading this lovely article about... Um, a couple who had like set up a coffee company and they worked together and it was like the first thing I think that I'd or the the first piece of information that I'd come across where a couple had said it, it works brilliantly like it's great and it made me be like oh so there is there is ways that you can make this work because I think it's you know you speak to people in your family or whatever and they obviously lead different lives and they don't understand the concept of waking up in the morning with your partner going to work with your partner, talking about work with your partner. like, And they, they're they like, how do you do that? Like, that's impossible. But we've always said that when we are allowed to just be creative and work and like, for example, lockdown was like a, a, a dream time for us because there was no outside influence. Mm. There was nobody telling us what we should have been doing or what, you know, we, we woke up every day we wrote a song or we did something creative every day. We had breakfast together every day. We we then normally finished quite early because we had the whole day to do it. Then we'd eat a nice meal together at night. And, be, and, and because we were together all the time, we didn't have to talk about work all the time. We, we could mm. just be ourselves. Whereas I think it's when the outside world starts to take an impact. So when I have to go to a separate job or Alex has to go to a separate bit of work and we don't see each other for a full week, that means the time that we're meant to spend together as a couple ends up sometimes being prioritized or has to be balanced with also, oh, but shit, we've got to do all of this musical stuff that we yeah. haven't, that is, that is backlogged up because we've been busy doing other things. So I'd say I'd say for anybody who wants to get in a in a in a relationship with somebody who they're working closely creative with I honestly would be like for, well I can only speak from my my experience but I think it's a really good thing. I think mm. it's I think it's great because they understand the person that you are and the way that your mind works and you understand theirs. So mm. there's no question about like the way that the way that they doesn't you don't question the way that they work whereas if I was somebody who who was an accountant and I had a nine-to-five job I would come home and question the fact that Alex is in a song right now and just needs to get it finished and will be on his Mac till one o'clock in the morning but because of the way that I am I look at that and go I know where he is right now that's Mm -hmm. fine you know so I think it's a really good thing I think. Cool. I mean, it's definitely. I mean, to answer your question a little bit more, it was a learning curve. It wasn't I mean, like, yeah. oh, this just Fucking clicked. Hell. Oh, yeah, sick. Um, the whole, this is all, you know, as a couple, you've got to grow 
anyway and then to grow as a business or a, or a creative uh venture you have to do all those things so then you are still doing all those things <clears throat> it's not like one stops and it's like oh we just have to do that you have to do all three at the same time they all compound onto each other um, yeah. but for me um and you know i like the romance in things i like the poetry in things and when me and michelle got together it was like well we have to work because Delia has to work and it has to, we have, you know, this, this cannot jeopardize this. So it's, and it, and a lot of people would put like a lot of, would feel like that put a lot of pressure on a relationship. Whereas sure. for me, it actually just like solidified the importance of everything that maybe someone else might feel that. And they feel that, Oh shit, I'm putting too much pressure on this relationship or I'm putting too much pressure on this uh, creative endeavor. But mm. actually for me, it did the complete opposite and it, and it really reinforced the whole thing. And from a that was just from a kind of this is how important this is to me and then actually i feel it every single day it's not just a thought of like oh we can't break up because then the band's weird or we can't stop the band because then our relationship it would be weird it's now like this feeling of like like both are important and just as important and the, the experiences that we share are it's not like oh i'm showing shell this thing as a work colleague to be like check this thing out it looks, it's really nice it's i'm showing her that and i'm showing my partner that and mm. it's not like nothing is divided a lot of people seem to think that everything's divided and it's not quite the same you've just split that in half but no i haven't split it in half i've doubled it everything is more important it's more um i suppose people might feel feel that's intense but for me it's not an intensity um i appreciate it a lot more like when we sit down there's a tv show called the leftovers which we love and I feel like we love it so much more because we both creatively know who we are and we are a couple as well and we know who we are you know from that side of things romantically because so then we look at it and we have this extra appreciation together and it's mm. and, and i don't know if that's i'm sure plenty of people feel that who don't work together but i'm i'm not one of those people because we do so that's how i that's how i feel about it um but i agree with everything you said joe oh thanks and i've learned that <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i mean also as well like like you know be measured i'm sure you'll agree alec that you have to there, there are boundaries that you have to put in place and there oh, are yeah. some days where you have to be like okay on sunday it's date day and that's it <laughs> like no we're not we don't go down work realms we don't talk about work shit we go on a date day we go for After a walk we've been through the, the emails and stuff we'll do we'll go on and yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think um our our date nights we we try our best to do thursday nights and for sunday to be slow paced um and i consciously try not to talk about work as much i mean the, uh, that's not entirely true a couple nights ago we had dinner together and she was like what's the deal with parallel compression <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love that so much i think that's brilliant <laughs> and then it was like you know a two-hour conversation food cold and me just <laughs> You know. You've got your flip chart out. Well, I've been waiting for the moment. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, um, but yeah, I think that, and I'm and I'm sure it's the same for you guys. Like after a while, you know, the, those those lines blur, especially if you are in a shall we say challenging working situation with somebody or uh, something. You need to. One of the superpowers is like to be able to come home and be like, today was a rough session, either because of subject content or because of personality clash. And it's very difficult. Like, I can't have that conversation with my parents. I can have it with my brother a little bit, but it's like, you know, we just creatively, we do so well together, but this person's views on how to 
get to an end result is like opposing to mine. And that is one of the most healthy things. And because Amir and I worked together in the studio for a long time before we were together, um, it, it was, it's so nice. I remember last year I had an awful, awful experience with somebody and it, I was questioning everything whether or not this was actually what I was supposed to be doing and all of that stuff. And she was like, how much of that is your head and how much of that is your process and how much of that is that person? Mm -hmm. and, and, and to be able to break it down technically and creatively and emotionally with the same person is... That's that's rarefied air, that is. You know? yeah, yeah, really is. Somebody who totally understands it and gets it and is like, yeah, makes logical sense when they talk about it. Yeah, and if they can appreciate it on that different level... Um, then you appreciate you appreciate it on a different level again. There's like you know it's it's constantly growing. So yeah, yeah, I think it's a good thing. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so we'll put in the in recommendations uh, a relationship a with relationship your work with partner. Your, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy uh, shit! I'm just going to chuck a couple in to finish off. The first one is an album called "An Evening uh, at Wilhelmsburg." Wilhelmsburg. Uh, Dirk Ma Marsen. Mm -hmm. Ma I'm going to say it's Marsen. M A S S E N. Yeah. Pianist, composer really nice piece of music it's all live it's all just got like a really nice warm uh warm but cold no it's got like a very it's very um it's it's wintry but it is you were putting it on when you've got candles lit and it's raining outside and it's it's all it's very nice it's very atmospheric as well um, and not atmospheric from the point of view where you've just got what a drone on one note atmospheric in that you can hear the concert itself mm -hmm. um the second thing I'm going to recommend is a bit of a random one. And I actually don't think this is amazing, but we watched that um, Sky Atlantic show, The Comey Rule. Uh, yeah. Why? Are you, oh. Be, not, so I'm not recommending it necessarily because it was a great TV series. It's only four episodes and it was a, it was a fairly good TV series. Like it kept us watching it. Mm -hmm. you know, we got through it and mm -hmm. it's interesting to, to, it's all about Jim Comey, who was the leader of the FBI and his time from when, uh, he got the job up to when he lost the job. So, you know, that is starting with Obama and finishing with Trump. But I recommend watching it just for Brendan Gleeson um, of, I don't know, Harry Potter fame. He was Mad-Eye Moody in Harry Potter mm -hmm. and he's done all sorts of, you know, much better stuff than, than that as well. But like, he he plays Trump and I recommend watching it just to see that. <laughs> Yeah. Not and not not again. Not because it's like oh my god, outrageous. It's just so strange. It is very strange. And he's he's playing him seriously, but it, but at times it can't help but look like a parody because it's Trump because Trump is a parody, parody of a human being. Yeah. But like it. Oh, it's so weird. It's like yes, he doesn't sound like him, but he does sound like like it's a real actor taking this part very seriously it's not like the alec um baldwin thing where he's you know it's a it's a sketch show he's doing the the joke of look out how outrageous this is but i think part of the thing that makes it so odd is that you look at this character and you go this isn't real no no one's like this but then he's downplaying what Trump would actually yeah, be like. Yeah, you can tell that he's downplaying as well because you can tell that he doesn't want to come across as a parody. Yeah. So like even him downplaying Trump is like, well, you're still a ridiculous human. Yeah, and it still is <laughs> unbelievable, but you're doing it less than the human being, the actual human being that yeah, would it do it. It's really peculiar to it watch. Is, is. And you'll watch it and just sort of frown at the screen 
and kind of be like, Whoa, is this good? I, I recommend it. Yeah, it's worth watching. <laughs> Just for that experience. Could I, could I add in one more recommendation that I of forgot course. about? Please uh, do. I don't know if you guys have watched Chef's Table before. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. The Netflix show. Yeah. Yeah, that is wild. I think, I actually don't think you're the first person to recommend this because I think somebody else has recommended this and just been like, it's so addictive. <laughs> but it's not even that. It's these, it's these creative, I mean, I think that chefs and musicians are cut from the same cloth, man. Mm-hmm. Like, right. okay. Just, there's just a certain insanity. You have to just grant yourself <laughs> to go down this, this path. And, um, but there's like, yeah, the, the first like, few seasons are just unbelievable i was uh, really wrung out in, in, in inspirationally and um i just started watching chef's table and i was like these guys know no <laughs> <laughs> on you know um so I, I just think that if you're ever feeling a bit wrung out and you're kind of like i don't know what's going on i think it's episode two um season one episode two watch that and Okay. This guy, uh, Blue Hill Farm, I think, is his his restaurant just outside of New York. And listen to that guy's story, man. You cannot believe it. It's just like, oh, you know. Okay, I literally want to go and watch that now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the <laughs> that shell's day just gone. <laughs> All right, wicked. Yeah, I well, know oh, this has been, you know what? This has been, I knew it would be a good one. This has been great because we've like got into the weeds with some stuff which I really wanted. And to be honest, I could get in, there were, I, I can't ever remember what that other question was I was going to ask you, but there's, there's <laughs> Jesus con- Christ, I forgot that was even a question. There's, there's an entirely <laughs> other side to you that where you can get into the weeds, where you are like, you, you can get into your process and you can get into your like, tech and the way the and sounds and everything because you are i mean i'm sure everybody can tell from listening to you now that 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 you are that person the person who like really gets into shit so like there's a whole other side of you that we've not even scraped the surface of we've just kind of like delved into the creative side which was really nice because it's what i've really got from this is that you on the one hand you have this very very measured side and then on the other hand like you say you 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 have the, the, there are there, there are anxieties there and you you did wake up one morning being like questioning whether you should do this which is stuff that we all kind of go through so it's super helpful to hear someone that I personally look up to a lot in terms of the way that they product themselves be like yeah but also you know shit happens and I think that's why I like this I like this podcast for that because mm-hmm. I feel like this is what it's meant to get into so thank you for that Alec. I totally totally agree we should do part two if you yeah. like well I'll, maybe i'll sit out on that one and maybe you <laughs> you just you t and alex can can do that one i think what? i think that it's important for you to be in the room because i feel like um it's 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 really important i think that um when it comes to any kind of um technical discussion or it doesn't matter how into the weeds you go i think that irrespective of your view and your process i think that it's extremely important to realize the most important thing is how is this providing the inspiration that it is supposed to be and how singing into a ridiculous microphone affect your performance and uh, you know all of that stuff so i think that if you do want to do a part two um you know, uh, I'm I'm more than more than happy to to just sit and 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 chat more 
technically and also most importantly i think part of that part two would have to be the emotional impact of this craft and yes what does burnout mean and how does it affect you positively and negatively you know i mean should we just do a branch off should we just do a branch off podcast (laughs) 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 whole series who the fuck is alec brits I don't know what your guys' day looks like today, but if you want to <laughs> do a little part two right now. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> well, you know what? As as things develop and um, things are changing in, in sort of in everyone's life at the moment, it's because of because of COVID a little bit, but also just because, you know, progression and stuff. I think, you know, I, I messaged you the other week to, to be like, oh, I just want to get your advice on this like bit of equipment or whatever. Um I could probably do with your advice a little bit more. So <laughs> not not in regards to equipment, but in regards to, you know, uh, the progression of a musical journey. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe we won't record that one. <laughs> I, think, I think we should. I think that... <laughs> yeah, I listen to it in, when I go to sleep, along with the, that first bit. If there is a market for Joe Rogan to chat for three hours, I think that there's a market for very specific conversations, you know, for sure. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Um, all right, part two on its way. Everyone, you know, to be continued. So stay tuned for that. Um, <laughs> but Alec, thank you very much. If people want to follow you and check out the cabin, uh, where can they do that and how can they do that? Um, well, there's a couple things. Um, the first thing is that I, I'm, I'm not on Twitter or anything like that, uh, just for the sake of sanity. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm on Instagram. You can follow me on Music in the Cabin. Um, and then most recently, uh, over the past, I think, couple months or so, I've started a YouTube channel uh, where I review and demonstrate cool pieces of equipment thanks to um, Studio Care, who are the people that have supplied me with all of this stuff. Yeah, uh, I've watched your Neve, your Neve uh, demonstration. It was on the homepage of Studio Care. Um, So uh, they've been uh, super integral for me to grow and for the cabin to be what it is. Um, So if you want to check out any of that stuff and see me actually play a bunch of instruments and sing and chat extremely nerdily about equipment uh, uh, in a very restrained manner, then... And um, go onto YouTube and just type in Alec Brits, and my channel will show up. Um, and yeah, there's after this video right now, I'm about to review a very beautiful set of microphone preamplifiers. So, oh, nice. be, uh, great day. I'll be writing a song for that today and filming it. So, awesome, awesome. Yeah, they're great, those videos. Um, yeah, I'm keeping up with those as well. Thank you. Uh, and there's some really cool artists that uh, have. I have just released an album and some albums that are coming out in the next few months uh, that I'm very excited about. One of them is I See Rivers has just released their latest album. Yes. Oh, so good. Honestly. Uh, the team behind that record is extremely special. Um, and uh, I co-produced uh, with them and a fantabulous uh, music producer called Toby Cooling. If you ever get a chance to get him on the podcast, that will melt your brain in half. Okay. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, Clinka Kid, uh, Mother's Milk album is going to be coming out on Spotify, hopefully sometime. Uh, and um, and the uh, Lewis Fieldhouse um, album um, 
will be coming out next year as well. And I co-produced and mixed that. And I mixed the Mother's Milk album, which is uh, only available in physical format. And if you want it, you have to go onto their website and oh, get I it. Oh, I like that. I'm a fan yeah. of that. Yeah, uh, oh, some nice. of the songwriting and one of my absolute favorite things to have been a part of the creative process for sure. Um, so yeah, that is my, uh, that's what I've been up to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, head, head over to Music in the Cabin to keep up with everything Alec is doing and check out all of that, which will be in the show notes. Um, it's been great to have you on and I, I really appreciate you making time for us. Um, and look forward to episode two. I do. I also look forward to us coming up with the adventures of uh, Cable Prejudice, which will soon be on Alex YouTube. <laughs> 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 um, but for forty minutes, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice one for joining us again, guys. Please head over to all the social media handles. Your support, especially during these times, uh, even just by following and keeping up with things and engaging with these people. Uh, ourselves Alec and previous guests that we've had uh, can really really help if you can't part with any cash if you can part with cash on our part head over to our Patreon there's new stuff coming there Um, and if not you know just give us a little rate review and subscribe on the podcast feed Uh, I know that a lot of you probably already are who are listening but you know just go onto your friend's phone and just do it on their phone too (laughs) Uh, or you know whoever's sat next to you right now unless they're driving don't do don't do that that'll distract them especially if the phone's in the pocket anyway um but remember <laughs> too much sauce ruins the fries yeah